welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Book of Esther, Esther chapter 4. While you turn there, I want to commend Miss Judy. Thank you, Beulah Land. That is heaven. That is our home. We long and look forward to going to heaven. And that's a fantastic song, certainly, that reminds us about how great it is with that. We are going to conclude here the first four chapters in this past month's sermon series on the, uh, really on the part leading up, really in many ways, this is going to be the best message because when we're, we are going to see the part where Esther is going to realize it was God who put all of these unique circumstances in her life and her situation that she is right where she needs to be to step up and speak up for God. I have never seen a time where more people are more fearful and more discouraged than today. Discouragement is rampant. Fear is rampant. People, people just live in fear. They're scared to death for all sorts of, all sorts of reasons. Uh, they're, just, they're just frightened. And we're going to see here that, and the Bible's going to make it clear to us that we cannot live that way. We cannot go about our lives frightful and fearful of of the future, of the current, of our, of our status, of our nation, of our family, of our home. We remember that our home is in Beulah land. Our home is in heaven. And we, got, we need to come to the point in our lives where we say, if I perish, I perish. Or as Esther said, if I die, I die, meaning it's in God's hands. He is the author and the ender of life. He giveth and he taketh away. Blessed be the name of of the Lord. That's what Job said. And we're going to see in this passage here in Esther chapter 4 where goal of this is Bill say, okay, I'm either a Mordecai or I'm either an Esther. I'm the one that's going to speak up or I'm going to, that's what Esther did. She's going to speak up for the Lord. God put her in that position. Or you're going to be a Mordecai and you realize that the Lord is the one encouraging you. He's the one encouraging encouraging you to tell other people they need to speak up to help be an encourager a, a, a motivator for them to speak up for the lord do you know someone who needs encouragement do you know someone who's down right now it's all around us hey, it doesn't take much to find someone do you know this passage here we're going to see it's very tempting when esther's going about and it was actually her who the Lord wanted to use. And it's easy to blame other people who make the statement, I need someone or I need somebody. Have you ever said that? Someone needs to do this. Well, the someone needs to be you. We were in Ohio this past week and uh, Sherry's sister's family has a bunch of little kids. And if you know, after a meal with little, little, little children, that when you eat food, the food ends up on the floor. It's gar- I mean, guaranteed, your food's going to fall on the floor. Now, if you have a dog, it's automatic vacuum cleaner. So, especially a big dog, just going to lick it right up. Dogs linger. Dogs love big families because that, 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 they know with little children there's going to be some bonus food there with that. But they don't have a dog, so that means someone else has to clean up. And it's easy to think about other people. So, we were cleaning up, and I looked at the floor. Gosh, Sherry, somebody needs to clean the floor. Do you know who cleaned the floor? 
One minute later, I had wet paper towels and napkins. I cleaned that floor. I thought, goodness. So that was after nine children. So with, between ours and theirs with that. And, it's, and I made that statement, someone, somebody needs to clean the floor. Well, Bible's going to teach us. Scripture's going to show to us that someone, that somebody, folks, it's you. God has placed that desire, that passion, for you to be the one to take action. When we watch videos about that gentleman and his church in Oklahoma, and he realized in North Africa, in the Middle East, there are entire cities. There's one Christian for every 33,000 people. That means those other people are dying and going into a Christless eternity. That is what the Bible calls hell. These people who do not know the Lord, who are not saved by the blood of Jesus, do not go to heaven. There's not a side door. There's not a waiting room. Their eternity is sealed at the point of death. Sealed. That's it. It's cut off. It's over. And what we have to be able to see is when we see a need out there, and you got folks, there's needs all around us, not just in North Africa, in the Middle East, but there's needs right here in our community. There's people from North Africa and Middle East here in Lexington that need to hear about Jesus. We are coming up four weeks away, four weeks and one day from Christmas. Actually, we're now less than four weeks, one day. We're less than four weeks away from Christmas. Gosh, it's really coming fast. There are people who do not know what Christmas is about. It is about Santa Claus. We went, when we were there, and um, to uh, what's Ohio, there's this place called Clifton Mills, which is it's just a light show. You go there, it's an old mill that they've put four million Christmas lights, and the Dayton News channel was there, and somehow we end up on TV. And they had a nativity scene there at their... Um, at the little uh, Clifton Mill, like the old governor of Ohio was there. Well, I shouldn't say the old, the former governor of Ohio was there, and he flipped the switch. There's thousands of I mean, this place was packed, and we got roped into being on TV, and they wanted, they wanted us because we were out of state. And so they were like, wow, even people out of state, we didn't drive up there. We came to see her family and just happened to go. It wasn't like we drove all the way up there just to see light show, but it made it appear like that. So we were on the TV, and they had a nativity scene there at the light show, which was really neat. And show the birth of Christ, the three wise men. And they, they asked several questions. And I talked about in my interview about Jesus being the reason for season. It was good to see that. You know, that's the part, of course, they cut out. When they, right off the bat, they cut that part out and show about how great it was when, when you go back and look at it. But that being said... That is what we're up against. There's folks here in our city that do not know Jesus. And this message is going to teach you that you need to be the Esther. More, um, Esther chapter 4. Here we go. Follow along your Bible. When Mordecai learned all that had occurred, he tore his clothes. And this is where the death of the Jewish people. I want you to follow along your Bibles. He put on sackcloth and ashes. And he went in the middle of the city. And he cried loudly and bitterly. This would be like a funeral procession today. It's just ex ex remorse and sadness. That's what they're trying to show. 
when you put sackcloth and ashes back 2,500 years ago, you are showing to someone something is wrong. There's a time of mourning. This is like dressing in black and going to a funeral. And folks are pulling over on the side of the road. He went only as far as the king's gate since the law prohibited anyone wearing sackcloth from entering the king's gate. There was great mourning among the Jewish people in every province where the king's command and edict reached. They fasted, wept, and lamented. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes because in a few weeks, the Jewish people are going to die. And Mordecai and Esther are both Jewish. Esther's female servants and her eunuchs came and reported the news to her. And the queen was overcome with fear. That's today, right there. That's that fear I was talking about. People just, they're paralyzed in fear. They're, they're worried about what the future holds. Worried they're going to run out of money. Worried about COVID. Worried about dying. And the Bible tells us we can't live that way. We, we live for Beulah land. We live for heaven. We live for our future home. We live for making Jesus' name known. We live for giving and supporting missions. We live for coming here on Sundays and worshiping the Lord. We live for coming to Sunday school and studying God's Word. Because that's our life. It's not fear. He sent clothes for Mordecai to wear, so he would take off his sackcloth. But he did not accept them. Esther summoned Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, who attended her, and dispatched him to Mordecai to learn what he was doing and why. So Hathach went out to Mordecai in the city square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened, as well as the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay the royal treasury for the slaughter of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa, ordering their destruction, so that Hathach might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and command her to approach the king, implore his favor, and plead with him personally for her people. Hathach came and repeated Mordecai's response to Esther. So still at this point, Esther, she is the queen, she is what we call passive. Passive is she's just doing what she's told, She's, she's just following the leadership of others. She's not taking an active stand right now. So she's fearful. She recognizes that she is in a unique position. But at this point, she has concealed, she has hidden her identity. No one knows she's dangerous. During times of crisis, during times of uncertainty, we do not need to be fearful of our identity when I say our identity, I'm talking about our relationship and our, our salvation from the Lord. Folks should know that you're saved. And it's hard to speak of. Especially when the culture seems all against it. But Christ is telling us, any and every opportunity, we make sure we try to be a witness. I, I, I mean, I... I missed an opportunity this week. I was standing in line someone, and a man started talking to me. And the Lord even told me, he says, Daniel, tell him about the Lord. Like, speak up for, for, for Jesus. Speak up for me. And I, was, I hesitated. And then I missed that opportunity. I want to tell you, God gives you those opportunities. 
But you know, when you miss an opportunity, the next time you make sure you don't miss it. I missed it last, missed it yesterday. I'm going to make sure this conversation, this person I'm talking to, they know about Jesus. And I believe throughout our, not just week, folks, throughout our day, we have Esther and Mordecai moments. Esther means you're going to speak up for the Lord. Mordecai is you're going to encourage people in the Lord. You're going to encourage other people to speak up for the Lord. You're going to give so other people can speak up for the Lord. All throughout our day, we're just moving back and forth from being an Esther to Mordecai. This is what it means to live a Christ-centered, Christ-filled life. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 10, Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him, this is the eunuch, that they're talking, Esther and Mordecai are having a conversation between this man, sending back and forth messages. It's like, this is like Bible time sending a text message 2,500 years ago. You don't have a phone, so you tell the messenger, and he relays the message, and they run back and forth. It's old-timey communication. Verse 11, all the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard who has not been summoned. The death penalty, unless the king extends the gold scepter, allowing that person to live. And Esther says, I have not been summoned to appear before the king for the last 30 days. And what's going on here? She's the queen. Can she not go and see the king? No. Back in Persia, even back in Bible times, only people who were summoned were allowed to appear. And of course, the eunuchs, but they would tend to the, they were always next to the king. Those were the ones that would uh, take care of him. Other people, outsiders, were not allowed to just bust in and say, I need to have a word with the king. Say, Pastor, why not? That's because you get assassinated. That's how they did business back then. Random people would come and kill you. And in fact, this guy, King Ahawalos, 10 years later, after a story we know from history, Persian history, someone actually came while he was asleep, got past the guards, and killed him in bed. That's how you ended. You didn't have elections. You killed the king if you wanted a new king. That's how, they, that's how things went about back then. So the king, they would have guards around them, and only people he would summon were allowed to come in to his inner chamber where he lived. So Esther is saying, I haven't been with the king. I haven't seen the man in 30 days. So that just shows you what type of a marriage they had. It's been a month and the king and queen haven't even spoke to each other. So Esther is saying, I can't just walk in with this guy. I'll die. If he doesn't extend grace, I will perish. So we have a dilemma here. In Esther's face against, we've got this edict coming that all the Jewish people are going to die, but she hasn't revealed her identity. And we have this other law here that she's not allowed to go appeal before the king or she will die unless she's been invited. So what do you do? She, she's Truly, her back is against the wall, so to say. And then Esther's response was reported to Mordecai. Now, this is where Mordecai is very blunt with her. And sometimes people need to be blunt with you. It's good to be nice, but sometimes someone's got to take your hand 
grab your shoulder and say, Son, you're about to die. You're about to walk off a cliff. You are going down a road that leads to destruction. You can't, you can't ride the fence anymore. We can't conceal our identity. You can't play this game. Pretend it's not going on. There comes a point in your life, in my life, your spiritual life, where you have to stand up and speak up for the Lord and do the right things. And Mordecai's realizing, Esther, I've had enough. This is it. I'm going to be crystal clear with you. You've got to speak up. God has placed you in this position. There's no more excuses. She's just making excuses. Well, I can't do it. Haven't been summoned. You know, if I don't show up, I die. Folks, we can make an excuse for anything. When folks face reality, things get better for them because they, they're facing the truth. The truth, Jesus says, sets you free. You realize, I have to do this. And finally, Mordecai says in verse 13, Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther, Esther, don't think you're going to escape the fate of the Jews just because you're in the king's palace. When they find out who you are, remember this king... He's gone through a lot of women. And he, you haven't seen him in 30 days. And remember Vashti? She's gone. Just, just because you're the queen doesn't mean you're always going to be queen. That's, that's not how King Ahauer was. That's not the commitment of your marriage. He'll get, he'll get rid of you. Gives an excuse to get rid of you. And Mordecai's bluntly having to tell her, Verse 14, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. Do you know who that is a reference to? That's a reference to God. Remember, the word God is never used in the book of Esther. Mordecai is saying, Mordecai knows the Old Testament promises. He knows the promise God made to Abraham. How? Abraham's descendants will be just like the stars in the sky, the sand on the seashore. They'll be numerous. Meaning they're not going to die out. Meaning deliverance will come. God will, God will work His miracle. But for you and your father's family, that means all your relatives, her parents were already dead, but your other family members, they will be destroyed. Esther, sweetheart, you're going to die if you don't do something. If you don't take action on this, this will be the end of your family. You can save your family, or you can make excuses. And then this is the key sentence in the entire book. In fact, in our living room, we have this sentence on our wall. This is one of these Bible verses you memorize. This reminds us that God is a providential God. God is a purposeful God. And God has a plan for you. Nothing is by accident with God. Things just don't happen. We don't live because of a big bang. Things just popped into existence. God brought you here this morning to hear this. Who knows, says Mordecai, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time 
as this. For such a time as this. Esther, you are living in this day, in this time, this week, and this year. You might wish you lived in 1954. You might wish you lived in 1983. You might wish we had a different president. You might wish you lived in a different city. You might wish your husband or wife was this way. But they're not. We can wish all we want and desire for the way things used to be. You can wish and hope for things different, but that's not the reality. Mordecai is saying, Esther, this is where you're at. You have come into your royal position right now for this very reason. God has you here for this. And folks, God has brought you right here this morning to this church to hear this sermon because there's a message for you. Having an attitude of somebody else is going to do it, I wish someone would, the somebody, you should say, it's me. I'm the one who is working God's providential plan. If not, then who? The who is you. That's what, the Lord, that's what Mordecai is saying. And now we're about to finally see Esther take ownership. She's going to finally become active in her, in her commitment. That statement, when it took a Mordecai to say, you need to do what's right. She said, Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. She says, I'm, I'm going to do it. Y'all start fasting for me. Start praying for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. And my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king. Even if it is against the law, if I perish, I perish. She's realizing. Either way, I, I have to make the decision. I'm having, she is having what she calls, what we might refer to as an Esther moment. An Esther moment is when you decide you need to take action for God. Esther moments is when you come to the realization that you need to do something for the Lord. God is working. God is weaving. He's fulfilling His purpose and plan. In your Esther moment is when God, none of this is happenstance. I'm here for you. No one else can do it but Esther. No one else is able to speak truth into Esther's life than Mordecai. Don't miss that statement. No one else can go up to the king unannounced, I guess, than Esther. And no one else is able to speak truth and give wisdom to Esther than Mordecai. Each of them had an important role. So your Esther moment is when you need to take action for God. Taking action is when you know someone who needs to be saved, someone who's not at church, someone who needs to be uh, spoken truth to in their life. Maybe they're in rebellion or they have sin. And you need to do the right thing for them. And a Mordecai moment is when you encourage someone else to do it. And then you pray for that person. You fast for that person. You, you intercede for that person. Because you know it's hard. 
They're having to do something, and you're, you're, that, you're the support behind them, encouraging them to do that. Do you have children or grandchildren at college? Do you have teenagers or uh, grandchildren who are teenagers? You know it's hard for them to go to school. They have incredible temptations. They're struggling with all sorts of just issues, of things, of life problems, of temptations, of peer pressure. Parents, grandparents, how are you being a Mordecai for them? Daily, are you praying and encouraging them to find a church home, to find godly Christian friends, to find the local BCM? You're that person behind the scenes that's holding the line. I've always remembered how Brother Hurd describes we as church members to missionaries. He calls us, we're the ones that hold the line so people can serve in North Africa and the Middle East. Holding the lines mean we're the ones giving, we're the ones praying, we're the, we're the ones promoting and encouraging and educating people on missions while they are the ones over there doing it. And folks, both are needed. They are. If the people didn't hold the line, they would fall. So wherever you are, a Mordecai or Esther, you're either going to hold the line to be that encourager, or you're going to be the one in your life where you're an Esther and you're going to speak up. And I want to tell you, from my experience, a lot of times, maybe when someone retires, they shift because they have wisdom, they've been through life, they shift more of what I would call a Mordecai role, where they are holding the line and they're just they're encouragers. They, they see things maybe younger folks don't see, and they just help position and help them and say and do the right things. Whereas maybe younger folks, because they're just in a unique time in their life with school, with work, with young family, and different interactions, and they're, they're out and about, they might be more of an Esther. There's, you see, the younger people might have more of those Esther moments and retired older folks might have to be more of a Mordecai. But that doesn't mean it always has to be that way. If you have family, they're coming over for Christmas and they came over for Thanksgiving. You want to be an Esther where you speak up for them. Folks, I'm trying to show to you that we live with a statement for such a time as this. God isn't saying make plans for tomorrow. He's not saying reflect on yesterday and yesteryear. He's saying the time is now. If someone's going to get saved, they're going to get saved now. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We have no clue. I mean, for all we know, in six weeks, church could be shut back down. We have no idea what the future holds. And I say that with true uncertainty. There is no more fearful, uncertain times than today. In our nation, in our city, in our world. And God is saying, you need to have the attitude like Esther, if I perish, I perish in verse 16. Meaning, I'm going to do it, I'm going to speak up, I'm going to do the right thing, and if I lose my life, at least I'll lose my life for the Lord. At least I know I'm doing what God wants me to do. How sad will it be for that person who's saved, 
who goes to heaven and they realize all the missed opportunities they had. They could have done so much more for the Lord. They could have gave more. They could have spoke up more. They could have encouraged more. But Christ is telling us, you live in a time such as this. Last verse, verse 17. So Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded him. Esther started this chapter making excuses. She was explaining to her cousin every and all the reasons she couldn't do something for the Lord. She ended the chapter in verse 17 telling Mordecai, taking charge, saying, okay, I'm a different woman. We see... This is what happens when someone is transformed for Jesus. They meet Christ, they realize they need to be saved, and they walk away a completely different person. An Esther moment for some of you needs to give your life to Jesus. Jesus Christ transforms your life. Some of you have come this morning and you're, you're living this passive life of just doing what, just, just going about whatever and wherever the, the wind blows. And you have to realize there's a Mordecai. And I want to tell you, Mordecai's are good. There are people in your life who want the best for you. They genuinely want you to succeed. We have Mordecai's all around supporting me at this church. It's a blessing. You, you want to be surrounded by people who want to help direct you in the ways of the Lord. But at some point, at some point, you have to become an Esther where you say, okay, I'm going to do it. Y'all go pray and fast. I'm going to become now a bold witness. I'm no longer going to live in fear and keep hiding my Jewish identity. That's what Esther was doing. A concealed faith is a faith that has a life of missed opportunities. Do people know where you stand in your relationship with God? Any and every conversation you're in, you need to point people to Jesus. You're looking. It's like a crevice. You're looking for a crack that you can speak truth into someone's life about the Lord. This morning here, I talked about a transformed life. Mordecai helped show Esther that she needed to change. If you came to church this morning, you came here learning about an Esther moment for such a time as this. That means it's not an accident. It's God's providence He brought you here. You're not at this church by accident. I'm not here by accident. God has a plan and purpose in everything He does. And if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, that is the transformed, rededicated life that Christ wants for you. And I'm going to close this in a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to respond and come take mine or Brother Hurd's hand and say, I want to get saved. My Esther moment is going to be on November 28th. My Esther moment is going to be that time where people have realizing that people have been praying, people have been fasting, people have been encouraging me 
all the way up to this point, every time we baptize someone here in this baptistry, there has been many people who've been praying that this day will come for them. And I want to tell you, you're Mordecai. Who are you praying to faith in Christ? Who do you know this Christmas season needs to get saved? I want to tell you, Christmas, I was saved. It was about 30 years ago now. It was during December. Christmas is a time where folks get saved. Because they're seeing, or they hopefully are seeing, the nativity scenes. They're learning about Jesus. About the birth of Christ. Why was Jesus born? What does it mean to see a baby in a manger? That's the Christmas story. That's God's redemptive plan. And many people will come to faith in Christ. And we as a body of believers, we as a church family, want to participate in seeing people saved. That's an Esther moment. But if we aren't praying and helping direct people and fasting for that, it will never happen. That's where you come through as a Mordecai. You're either a Mordecai or you're Esther at such a time as this. Nothing is by accident. It is God's providence. This morning, the Lord has brought you here to get saved if you do not know Him. In fact, Jim, I'm going to invite you to come forward. We're going to close here with an invitation. Brother Hurd, why don't you come stand up here with me? You have come here and it's time to get saved. It's time to respond to the Gospel. It's time for you to make this your church home for such a time as this. Not tomorrow, not last week, it's today. Let's all stand together. Brother Hurd's going to be standing right here. I'll be standing right down. You come make your decision public this morning, Gene.